Each day is a fresh start. Don't knock yourself down because you did something that wasn't helpful. The next time you have a chance to make a decision, choose something that's going to be helpful to you. Hi, and welcome to the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast. I'm Tom, and I'll be your host as I share what I'm doing in my daily life to solve my type 2 diabetes. Listen in as I share the food, movement, and tools that I'm using each day. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only. For a full transcript or to follow the Solving Type 2 Diabetes Podcast on social media, please head over to solvingtype2diabetes.com for all those links and more. Now, on to the show. This has been a very full and interesting week for me. I hope you've had a great week. This week, we have been at home the entire week, which for us is a little unusual, but it's been a full week at home. It was a good week. One of the things that we got a chance to enjoy this week was lunch out. My wife and I went out to lunch at a little restaurant in a nearby town of Cleona, and it's called Schwalm's. Now, this restaurant has been around for over 100 years. In fact, I remember as a child going there with my grandmother. So we're talking maybe late 70s, something like that, mid-70s going there. So it's been quite a while. This is our first time back since then. My wife had only been there one other time with her mother. So it's a long time in coming, but we've been back to Schwalm's this week, and they have a great menu a wide variety of all kinds of different foods. And what I go for are the meat and veg, of course. And we'll talk about my food a little bit later. But I had a fabulous chef salad. One of my standard things at a restaurant is a chef salad. Good meats, cheeses, vegetables. This one had practically an entire bright red tomato sliced up on top. So That was a little unusual for a chef salad, but it was certainly delicious and welcome. And of course, I like the blue cheese dressing, and I like lots of it. So that was really good. Right after we had our lunch, we went to vote. We're going to be away, normal for us, but we're going to be away on election day. So we went down to the county courthouse to vote. And it's amazing how long and complicated that process was. We got a mail-in ballot. But on site, we got it right there in person. But that whole process took over an hour. We had to fill out an application for a mail-in ballot. Then we waited for about 25 minutes. And there were only two other people there trying to vote. But we waited about 25 minutes until they handed us our blank mail-in ballot. I'm not sure why that took 25 minutes, but it did. And uh, we filled it out. That took about one minute, and then we handed it back in. The whole process took over an hour, but we have now voted. Not going to tell you for who, but we have voted, and that's done because we will actually be in Florida at Walt Disney World on Election Day. So we got that done as well that same day. Now, I actually have started a brand new little side hustle, if you will. Uh, I believe I've said before that I am retired, uh, spent 35 years in the federal government, and I've been retired now just over two years. And sometimes I find myself with a lack of something to do. 
When we moved here to Pennsylvania shortly after my retirement, we completely remodeled the house that we bought. So there's really no little fixer-up projects to do. And I've tried volunteering in a few different places in the past year, year and a half. But so far, I haven't found that spot that will allow me to come and go as I please. One of the things I've determined when I retired is that I no longer wanted to be accountable for being somewhere at a certain time and a certain day and have to stay until I'm told I can leave. So volunteering around here that I found, they you know want you to be regular and be expected and things like that. So with all our travel and everything, that really didn't suit our schedule. So what I started this week was Uber. I started delivering food with Uber Eats and I started driving people with a regular Uber. I've been doing it for eight days now so far. And of course, I'm going away now, so I won't be able to do it for a week or so. But it's fun. It's actually a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. So I've done both Uber Eats delivery and Ubering of people. So I've spent quite a bit of time, you know, it's new, I'm, I'm into it. So I actually spent about 38 hours in the last eight days, almost a full-time job, uh, Ubering. But that has put me in the car quite a bit. Additionally, I had a trip up to Williamsport on Tuesday, take care of some family business. That was another four hours. So I've spent a lot of time in the car. And on a couple of occasions, I really did not plan for that properly. What that meant was I was out in the car for six or eight hours, missed a couple of meals, and then I got home and I was famished. Now, on the better prepared days, I did bring food with me, and that worked out great. But on those couple of days where I didn't, I overate when I came home. I didn't have a plan. I just was so excited about this new hustle, if you will, that I didn't plan my meals. I didn't plan what food I should have with me. So I did avoid stopping at a convenience store and getting junk. So that's good. I didn't do that. But what I did do when I got home is I ate more than I normally would have. Now, luckily, I don't have a lot of high-carb foods in the house. So what I ate was from my what I'll call regular food Then you'll learn about here later in the episode. But still, it was unplanned. So don't be like Tom. Plan ahead or you might run into problems like I did this week. And we'll see that a little bit later when we look at my numbers that, uh, well, I'll tell you now, my body fat percentage actually went up a hair this week. And I think that's due to those couple of nights when I overate. And we'll see that my blood sugar wasn't dramatically affected, which is great. But I want to get that under better control if I'm going to be doing this as a side hustle with Uber. So I'm recording this on Saturday. My wife is away. She is up with her female relatives, cousins, mother, daughters, sisters, and they're at what's called Girls Weekend. So we have this place in the Poconos, and it's a little cabin that we actually built with my in-laws. That was back in 1988, the same year my wife and I got married. We started building that cabin. So they're up there enjoying that. And so I'm here alone. And that also might be why I overate a couple of nights, because honestly, if my wife is here, 
and she sees me continually going back to the fridge, she's either going to question it or raise an eyebrow or I just won't do it because she and I both know that's not part of my plan. So maybe that's also why I took the liberty of eating off plan those couple of evenings. The only other thing of interest is that now this evening I get to pack. Starting tomorrow, I'll be on Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Sea cruise ship. And that's a seven-night cruise going down to the Bahamas. And Royal Caribbean's private island, Castaway Bay is what they call it, even though it's supposed to be pronounced Castaway Key. But they say, perfect day at Castaway Cay. I guess they wanted it to rhyme. So I have that to look forward to this evening. That's pretty much my week in review. Let me know about your week. Leave a comment. All right, let's look at my numbers for the week. First of all, my rings. I have closed my rings each day this past week. I'm still in progress today, but for the past seven days, I have closed my rings each day. That puts me at right now a 14-day streak on closing my rings, which is very nice. I enjoy having that. For my workouts themselves, it's been a combination of indoor walking and outdoor walking. Where I walk outdoors, either near my home or on some of the trails nearby, it tends to be pretty flat. So to close my rings, I actually end up having to walk longer outside, mileage and time-wise, than if I walk indoors on the treadmill. And now the secret is, when I'm walking indoors on the treadmill, I crank up the incline. So I spend maybe the better part of an hour walking up, let's say, uh, 8 to 10% incline on the treadmill. And maybe I'm only walking at 3 miles an hour. In fact, on the treadmill on my watch, it actually shows it as a shorter distance. Uh, I've been recording on my treadmill walks around 2.4 miles, taking almost an hour. But trust me, my heart rate is up into the 140s because of the steep incline. So it's a great, it's actually a great workout as far as aerobics for me. And I really enjoy it. So when I'm pressed for time, I walk inside on the treadmill. Also, when it's cold outside, I'll walk inside on the treadmill. But I've had some beautiful days this week. And you can see here that I got in a one, two, three, four outdoor walks, averaging maybe about four miles each time. So very, very enjoyable. That was a lot of fun. All right, so for my seven-day average glucose readings, taking my 24-7 glucose readings from my sensor that I wear, across the course of the week, I've averaged 112. 112 was my average blood glucose reading across 24 hours of seven days. And that equates to an A1C right about 5.4. So like I said, I did have a couple of days where I ate more than I normally would. But because it was of all low-carbohydrate foods, and it wasn't, let me say, it wasn't completely uh, a tremendous amount of excess food, but it was more than I normally would. But because it was foods that were helpful to me, my A1C is actually fabulous for the entire week. And um, I'm happy with a 112 that is below pre-diabetes levels. 
So for me, that's exactly where I'd like to be. Quite frankly, if I can keep it week in, week out between 115 and 120, that's going to put me in a super position. So I'm happy with that. Now, regarding my macros, you can see there that I averaged 12% of my intake across the week from carbohydrates, and my protein was right on exactly where I wanted it to be. So I'm very happy. Those are the two things that I look at closely. I keep my carbohydrates low, and that's a tremendous help to solving my type 2 diabetes. And I keep my protein high so that I can avoid any muscle loss as I age when accompanied with my exercise. The fat, well, the fat's just a filler, and the fat is what makes up uh, the bulk of the calories. In fact, I get most of my intake in the form of fat, closely followed by protein, and then rounding it out with a little bit is the carbohydrates. So speaking of fat, as I mentioned earlier, my body fat percentage is up a little bit this week. And I do attribute that to the uh, couple of days where I ate just more than I normally would have eaten. So when you do that, that gets stored. Nothing tremendous. I'm still at a lower body fat percentage than I was, say, a month ago. And that's a trend I want to continue. But it is up a little bit from where it was just last week. So something to keep an eye on. And uh, we will continue to monitor that. And I measure that every time I step on the scale. So tomorrow will likely be the last time I'm on the scale for a week. But that's not something that I find I need to do every single day. If I do that eh, twice a week, that's enough to give me my trend readings, which is what I'm most interested in. So for my challenge and win this week, it's something I just mentioned earlier, and that is on a couple of evenings, I did eat more than I would normally eat if I had planned. And, you know, that was a challenge. Um, I have a very good plan that I can put together, usually on a daily basis, and I lay out what I plan to eat. Sometimes even the day before, I lay out what I plan to eat. Sometimes that means thawing things out or making sure I have what I need to put together, what it is I want. But on those two days, I didn't. So that was a challenge. So what? what's the win? How can I get a win out of that, out of not eating what I had planned? Well, the win is I shut it off. So when you get, uh, people call it off the tracks or off the wagon or whatever you want to call it, when you get off your plan, the way to turn that into a win is just to stop, to shut it off. The next time you get the chance to make a decision, whether it's what to eat, how to move, what things you want to get from the store, what things you want to put in your fridge, change. Get back on plan. And that's what I did. And I think that's a win. Even though I had those two evenings, the very next morning, I was back eating exactly what I had planned, moving the way I wanted to move. I didn't let it become a trend. And habits and planning are a big part of what can make you successful. So the challenge, I didn't really eat right two evenings. The win, I limited it to those two evenings. Each day is a fresh start. Don't knock yourself down because you did something that wasn't helpful. The next time you have a chance to make a decision, 
choose something that's going to be helpful to you. So that's my win for the week. So let's take a look at the news this week. And I do have three articles for you that I'd like to review. And I think you might find them interesting. At least I hope you do. So the first one is called Five Things That Reduce the Risk of Diabetes. Now, it's interesting that this article is called Five Things and they lay out seven. I guess a couple of them are just bonus. The first thing they mention is knowing about diabetes. And that is, even if you don't have a diagnosis of type 2 or prediabetes right now, it doesn't hurt to know about it. Know about things like the symptoms, what to look for, knowing about the various things that can affect you. If you get to the point where you're starting to get closer to that diagnosis, you know, things like increased thirst, increased hunger, and things like that, that you might not be aware could be a sign of you might be getting into this diagnosis of either pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes. It goes on to say that if, in fact, you are worried about getting that diagnosis, you might want to start now by eating what they call a proper balanced diet. And they stress that, well, sort of like I do, that meats and vegetables are healthy for you. They talk about omega-3 sources for anti-inflammatory effects. They talk about things like non-starchy vegetables, which is great. Then they move on to talk about regular physical activity. And that's something we talk about a lot here and how regular physical activity can moderate your blood sugar levels. In fact, they say that for some folks, a modest round of activity or exercise can lower your blood sugar levels for up to 12 hours, which is, is a fabulous thing. And they say you should be aware that certain foods can affect your blood sugar more than others, which, which is very true, I believe. And that's those things that are rich in processed carbohydrates, you know, uh, sweetened breakfast cereals, uh, that fancy flavoring that you put in your coffee, things like that, uh, Coca-Colas, Pepsis, not to single one out over the other, any sugared soda, sweet tea, we talked about that a little bit last week, can really spike someone's blood glucose, especially if they're not sensitive to insulin. One of the things I saw in this article was they talk about look for a good health-life balance. They talk about reducing your stress, uh, things you know like yoga, meditation, that it's not just food and activity, but can also be your mental well-being and your stress levels. I mean, there's chemical things going on there as well with stress, cortisol, things like that, that can adversely affect your blood sugar levels. And finally, it says, find and rely upon accurate and educational resources to learn more about preventing diabetes or your diabetes risk. Now, I say here that I am not a medical professional. I am not a nutritionist. I'm simply sharing what I have learned for myself. So for yourself, 
you should go out and learn and research these things and talk to your medical professionals as well. So I thought that was a, a very interesting article. The second article, now this to me is pretty cool. It talks about lab-grown muscle sucks up sugar to fight diabetes. That's the title. Lab-grown muscle sucks up sugar to fight diabetes. So what they have found, and I think this is pretty well known, is that your muscle is the biggest user of sugar. Now, the fact of the matter is your brain is a tremendous user of sugar as well, but you can't really change your brain tissue. What they have found here with this article, though, is that when they grow, I'm not sure how they do this, but when they grow muscle in the laboratory, they can engineer it to use up to twice the amount of sugar that your typical muscle fibers would be using. So what they've done, now they've only done this in mice, but what they did was take some of this lab-grown muscle tissue and did something to it. Uh, it. It links to the scientific article, so you'll have to read that. But it did something to it to double what's called a glucose transporter type 4. And this is what helps the, the muscle cells absorb the sugar. And they actually have made it so that these lab-grown muscle tissues soaked up to 50% more sugar than normal muscle tissues. Now, I guess what it would take is to get some of this muscle grown and then injected into you. And then what they're saying is that basically it would help you rid yourself of excess sugar in your blood systems. And it would put it into your muscles. Now, I guess even those muscle cells would eventually max out with what they could hold. But anyway, I don't know if this is almost science fiction or not. They say they've done it successfully in mice, but uh, I think I'd have to read a whole lot more about it. But I'll link to it and in the show notes, and you can read it and read the studies and see if it's something that's fascinating to you. It was pretty fascinating to me even though it might be uh, right now, I guess, closer to science fiction than fact. Certainly, it's not available yet for people. Well, this last article is, is the one I really like here. It's a fun article. It talks about food, and it's called, Is Cheese Good for People with Diabetes? Let me cut to the chase. The answer is yes. So this is done by a registered dietitian, certified diabetes care and education specialist, and she says that she recommends her clients with type 2 diabetes absolutely eat cheese. And I think the reasons for it are pretty clear. Cheese has very little carbohydrate. Cheese is mostly fat and protein. Some cheeses have no carbohydrates whatsoever. Others might have one or two grams per serving. The harder cheese has almost no carbohydrate. Your softer, spreadable cheeses sometimes has a little bit, but still not a whole lot. So she absolutely recommends eating uh, cheese for her clients. I certainly enjoy eating cheese, and I like it in my salads. I like it in my sandwiches. Sometimes I just like a piece of cheese all by itself. Now, she does caution, you know, cheese can be higher in sodium. Uh, so if that's an issue for you, 
be, be, be aware of that. She also says that some folks can have dairy allergies or intolerances, but one of the intolerances, if you will, is to lactose, which is the sugar in milk. But here's the thing, cheese doesn't have very much lactose at all because it's been eaten by the bacteria that uh, helps to create the cheese. So this interesting article is uh, a great uh, confirmation of some of the things I like to eat because cheese is definitely something, I don't know if I have it every day, but I do have it quite a bit. So this might be an article that's of interest to you. So that's the news. Let's move on. Okay, let's look at the main topic for this week, and that is my food. As we talk about all the time, the two main components that I use to solve my type 2 diabetes is my food and my movement, also my medications. I guess that's three. The one we're talking about today is my food. So what do I eat day in, day out, week in, week out? that I find for me helps me solve my type 2 diabetes. So I can sum it up. Meat and veg, nuts and seeds, some fruit, a little starch, but no added sugar. That's what I strive for. That sums up my goals. Let me do that again. Meat and veg, nuts and seeds, some fruit, a little starch, but no added sugar. Now, I did not come up with that. That was coined by Coach Greg Glassman, uh, the founder of CrossFit, and he prescribed that for his athletes. He said, if you eat that, you'll be able to perform very well. Now, another thing I like to say is just eat real food. So I combine those two things to plan out what it is that I'm going to eat. I don't hit it perfectly every day. But that is the foundation of what I like to do. So whether it's for breakfast or for lunch or dinner, whatever, snacks, let's start off at the top. Meat and veg. So you can say that you're a vegetarian who happens to eat meat. Uh, You can say that you're an omnivore. Uh, You can say you're a carnivore with a side of greens. Whatever you like to call it. Meat and veg form the foundation of, I would say, most of my meals. Now, my meat doesn't just have to be a hunk of red beef grilled outside over fire. It can be meat, any kind of meat, really. Now, I don't like raw seafood, but besides that, I enjoy just about every type of meat source there is. Uh, Chicken, turkey, beef, pork, certainly fish. Uh, various types of fish, and I love shrimp and lobster, things like that. I also include eggs and cheese in that too, because, well, you know, they came from animals. But it could be uh, bacon or sausage and eggs uh, with my breakfast, or it could be the meat and cheese I put into a large salad, or it could be a steak or a burger, whatever. Meat and vegetables form most of every day's eating. For vegetables, and 
for me, that often comes in the form of salads. When I'm eating vegetables, it could be, uh, you know, lettuce and green peppers and tomatoes, uh, olives. Uh, lots of different types of vegetables can go into a salad. It could be peas. It could be corn. It could be, um, I don't know, beans. You know, they're vegetables uh, in that they came from plants. I guess they're technically uh, legumes or something like that, but I, I call it vegetables. If it came out of the plant, I call it a vegetable. So I eat a lot of that. Uh, today for lunch, I had chili. Thank you to my wonderful wife for making the chili. But, you know, that was meat and beans or veg, like I like to call it. Uh, nuts and seeds. That is one of my favorite snacks, uh, as well as putting sometimes some sunflower seeds or pumpkin seeds on top of my salad that I might make. Uh, I'm famous for that on the Royal Caribbean lunches. I like to go in and make myself a large chef salad, and they usually offer pumpkin seeds or sunflower seeds on the salad bar. So I, I stick some on top there because I really like that. But I also like mixed nuts as a snack. Now, not peanuts. I don't eat a lot of peanuts, um, except for some peanut butter once in a while. But I like walnuts, pecans, cashews, macadamia nuts, pistachios, nuts like that. Uh, that I buy in a big jar. Um, I get them at Aldi's. They're cheaper there. So they come in a big jar and I portion them out. I get on my food scale and you know I weigh the two or three ounces that I'm going to have for my snack. And I like them. I think one of the reasons is because they're highly salted. And I like that. That doesn't seem to bother me. And uh, as far as I know, I don't have a problem with salt. So I enjoy that as a snack. So that's meat and veg, nuts and seeds. So some fruit. Now, the fruits that I go for most often, if I have them, are berries. I like blackberries, strawberries, blueberries. Um, I really enjoy having those. Those are a nice snack, especially in the summertime when they're fresh. I enjoy those as my fruit. Occasionally an apple, maybe a pear, uh, citrus, you know, like an orange or a grapefruit or something like that. Those are great. Don't have a lot of bananas. I don't have a lot of uh, some of the other fruits that are higher in sugar. I do have some melon once in a while. Uh, so I do have some fruits. So what does it mean, a little starch? Well, for some folks, maybe those folks who don't have type 2 diabetes, a large portion of their diet is made up of potatoes and rice and starchy, grainy type foods like that, maybe large servings of corn and peas. Now, that is absolutely real food. There is nothing inherently wrong with that. So I say little starch. In other words, I carefully portion out. When I'm having potatoes, I'll portion them out. If I'm having rice, I'm getting out the measuring cups, the half cup or the quarter cup. Because while I can have some, I notice that if I have, I'm going to say a large amount, that my blood sugar absolutely spikes up and it stays up for quite a while. And that certainly includes things like breads or muffins or cookies or cakes. Not only does that have a lot of added sugar, which I'm going to stay away from, but even, um, let's say, a, a whole wheat bread or whatever, uh, or a, a sourdough bread, even if it's homemade, because it's so good, I'll tend to eat a lot of it, and therefore my blood sugar will go up. So a little starch. I'm not saying I don't have starch. 
I'll even have cookies or cake or candy once in a while, but it's a long time in between if I want my blood sugar to be under control. And again, this is for me. I am not a nutritionist and you should find out for yourself what works for you. I'm just sharing my own experience. So that was little starch. The last item is no added sugar. Now, again, this is a goal. You'd be surprised if you're buying packaged food, it almost always has added sugar. You have to be very, very careful. Now, at least on the nutrition labels, they add a line for added sugar. So if it says zero, well, then it has no added sugar. But oftentimes, in fact, almost all the time, it's going to have added sugar. I stay away from that. So you're thinking, well, Tom, an apple has sugar in it. Your berries that you said you eat have sugar in it. Yeah, certainly they do. They also have, by the way they were created, a whole lot of fiber. And you can't often eat six apples. But you can certainly drink a large glass of apple juice. So when you eat those fruits, those things that contain sugar in natural quantities, natural uh, preparations like raw, then that sugar, because of the amount you eat and because of the way it's served, you don't tend to get a blood glucose spike. I should say at least I don't tend to get one. Your mileage may vary. So no added sugar is something that is extremely helpful to have as your norm, as part of your plan. Now, is that all the time? Is that always? No. I'd say it would be very hard to go months and months without having a piece of birthday cake or a cupcake or some cookies or something like that. But it's not my norm. It's not what I plan to do day in and day out. I keep that no added sugar as my, let's call it baseline. And then I'll have a few deviations, but it's not the deviations, the few, the once in a while deviations that are going to send you off track. It's when it becomes your norm. It's when it becomes your habit. It's when it's no longer that special treat and it becomes pretty darn regular. So my other thing is just eat real food. Now, what does that mean? Well, if it comes in a package and it has an ingredient list of, let's say, I don't know, more than three or four things, if it's something you could not have prepared in the same way in your own kitchen, then it's not real food. It's something that's edible, but it's not natural food, like a Snickers bar. A Snickers bar is certainly edible. Now, if you eat too many and you're going to do yourself some harm, it's my feeling. But just because it's edible does not mean it's real food. Did it have a mother? Well, then it's real food. Is it something that you could dig out of the ground, pluck off a tree, or harvest in a field? Well, then it's real food. Is it something that you could prepare in your own kitchen? If you just had basic pieces of equipment, okay, then it's real food. Go ahead. That fits the bill. But if it's something that comes in a cellophane wrapper that's inside a cardboard box that has an expiration date of maybe months or years into the future, 
that's not what I call real food. And I try and stay away from that. Now, I have some exceptions to that. Once in a while, I find that because I want to have a high level of protein in my eating every day, I'm not getting that through the real foods that I've picked to eat. So once in a while, I will add a protein shake. Uh, I go for the cheap Walmart variety. And these are a chocolatey flavored, uh, it almost tastes like chocolate milk. It's, uh, I don't know, 10 to 12 ounces. But what's nice, it has 30 grams of protein. And the protein of all things comes from milk. So it's whey. So it has 30 grams of protein and it has no added sugar, none. It does have one gram of sugar in it that comes from the milk, but there's no added sugar. And there's a few grams of fat. So I will have that as a supplement once in a while. Also, especially if I'm on the go and not able to keep like a refrigerator bag with me or, or something else that would carry around real food, I do have a protein bar once in a while. And again, this is a bar, looks and tastes like a candy bar, I'll admit it, but it does not have added sugar. It does have uh, sugar alcohol. It does have some artificial sweeteners has a good a bit of protein in it, but um, you have to decide for yourself whether you want things like sugar alcohols or artificial sweeteners. If you think those are not a problem for you, well, then you might like this as well. However, those might be a problem for you, so you should figure that out uh, for yourself. The brand that I've been with lately has been Atkins, uh, their meal replacement bars. Again, certainly not every day, just like the protein shake. It's not every day, but once in a while, I'm not hitting my protein goals and those are a convenient way to do it. So basically that's it. Meat and veg, nuts and seeds, some fruit, a little starch, but no added sugar. Just eat real food. That's my baseline. That's what I stick to. I hope that was helpful. I'd be interested in hearing what it is you eat on a regular basis that helps you get towards your goals. Please leave me some feedback. Okay, it's time for your questions. Each week, I like to read the questions that you send in. So we don't have any. We didn't have any last week, but I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on encouraging you to send me in a question or a comment. Anything, any feedback from you would be so wonderful to get. I would get so excited. In the entire series so far, I've had a, one question. I've had one single question, and I appreciated it. Well, how do you leave me a question? Well, let me tell you. You can head over to solvingtype2diabetes.com, and there's a feedback link. Just click on that. Send in your questions, send in your comment, and I will get an email, and I promise you that I will address it on the upcoming episode. At the same website, solvingtype2diabetes.com, you can also find all the social media links so that you can follow me and maybe see some of the other stuff I post. I do post daily, post all my numbers daily, I post a little minute of uh, talking daily, and uh, you might find that of interest in addition to this podcast. Okay, so next week, we're going to be talking about my movement. This week was food. Next week is going to be my movement. 
going to talk into detail about the things that I'm trying to strive for, my goals with my exercise and my movement and the ways that I find it helps in solving my type 2 diabetes. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Solving Type 2 Diabetes podcast. I hope you found it valuable. Please follow and leave a five-star review as it helps other people find the podcast. By subscribing, you ensure you won't miss the next episode. You can always get a full transcript of the episode at SolvingType2Diabetes.com. There you will also find the links to leave feedback and links to follow on social media. I'm very interested in hearing from you with comments and suggestions. Thanks very much for listening. Please remember that everything I share is just from my own personal experience and should not be taken as medical or health advice. Please consult your own medical professionals. This podcast is intended for entertainment purposes only.